This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we're talking about how do we surf the waves of disagreement with our kids? <laughs> uh, we're also uh, answering a question about written prayers, about how we often talk about chat and catch, but what is the place of written prayers in our children's, I don't know, diet of praying? And uh, we have an interview with uh, Darren Quinnell, who wrote a book called Man Made. He also has a ministry that comes alongside that, of what does it look like specifically to look at a sort of coming of age um, for boys and uh, and how can we resource that so that is what we're doing today we're going to start off with talking about shifting the waves of disagreement there are times where our kids will go off theologically <laughs> in a different direction than us in how they view god in uh, things they hear from school or others um, whether it's a personal disappointment they've experienced whether it's a logic that they've wandered into, whether it's theology that they're putting together. And that can really induce fear in us because we're like, no, that's not the truth. I mean, it can it can make us really worried and uh, we can react with correction. Like, no, that's, that's wrong. That is not right. And uh, our children, 100%, you know, that our role is to shepherd their views of God and to walk alongside them in their faith journey. But sometimes our initial reaction of just, oh, I see it going wrong, let's correct it, um, puts us in an oppositional, opposite sides of the thing. And then you're just arguing your personal points, which often isn't a great discipleship model. <laughs> and so what do we do if we don't just hear our child have a wayward thought and go, whoa, I got to shut that one down right now. How do we surf these waves of, of disagreement when we're we're in different places, theologically or approach-wise. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying how to just discipline your children. I'm not saying that we never speak truth to them. I'm just saying that there might be a, 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 a journey to commit to rather than a, um, rather than a correction uh, to implement. Because um, our goal is to help them on their journey and to spot where they are believing things that are lies or truths or how they get there and where their logic is going. Our job is to disciple how they think, not just correct whether or not they're right. And so um, if we just correct them, we cut off the learning process. And we are called as parents to coach them and to shepherd them and to teach them and to guide them. We are not necessarily called to be the ref that just w blows a whistle and goes, nope, you're wrong. Arr, consequence. Uh, and so when our children pops up with a different theology, um, number one, I find it helpful to just remind ourselves that they are still in the process of doing theology, as are we. Sometimes our children come out with an opinion and we're like, no, they'll believe this forever. And it becomes you know, the, the battle of what we want. But they are still in the process of doing theology, as am I, as are you. And um, and that. That doesn't mean that where they are now is where they're going to be tomorrow or where they're going to be in the next day. And so what we're getting when we're hearing their view is we're getting an invitation into understanding how they see the world and how they see God. And that is a blessing to be grateful for, that we get to see where they are spiritually and what they're thinking spiritually. It's so good. Uh, this, the question to ask yourself 
next, I find, is what does my kid need right now? Does my kid need a, a place to safely process? Are they sort of saying, you know, I'm not sure God answers prayers. You know, I asked him and it didn't happen and I'm not sure he's real. Does our kid just need a place to process that? To to go, you know, that's an interesting thought. How do you feel about that? And for us to just ask questions to draw them out so that we can understand their process of, of what happened and what's going on in their heart. Um, sometimes... Our kids need questions to help them think more, to say, oh, well, you know, if that's true, what about this? And and that's interesting because this happened to you the other day. And, and sort of questions to challenge and help them go deeper and to look at it from a different angle. Sometimes our kids just need us to listen to them and just help them process emotions. And sometimes they need us to draw them out and say, talk to me more. You know, I want to hear that. Um, sometimes they need some outside reflection to say, you know, oh, I... I understand that, you know, I went through a year where I felt similarly, and this is what it looked like for me. I don't know what it will look like for you. Sometimes they'll need that outside reflection to look at. Um, if you want to sort of have that starting point, what's most helpful, I find, is to have the starting point of understanding. I want to understand what's going on inside of you. And then I want to help you take the next step on your journey of figuring out what you and God are talking about. And so to start with the heart of understanding rather than to poke holes can be a really good point. And to get them to keep talking, to say, you know, talk more about this. You said this really interesting sentence, you know, talk more about that. Um, what led you to that? Um, how does that affect your connection with God? How does that fit with this? To just ask questions curiously until they feel done and then stop. Not when you feel done, but when they feel done. So that you are saying, I am committing to be alongside of you rather than uh, being the one who controls what you're thinking. Uh, I, knew, I knew one kid who was convinced that, that Jesus was an alien. And, uh, and there's just a whole process of, of going, you could just say, no, he's not. And then you're like, he is, no, he's not, he's not, he is. And then justify yourself. And then you're in that. Or you can talk alongside it and say, that's an interesting thought. Tell me more how you got there. Because I, I don't quite understand you know that you know tell me what you were thinking about that and then he explained all of his different views of these things you go i see that's that's really interesting so you think and i repeated what he was saying so that i could i could say it in a way that he's like yes exactly now you understand if i can repeat it in a way that that they feel totally understood then they're not busy arguing with me about what I'm misunderstanding and my judgments and things that are coming at them. I want them to feel 100% understood because then the argument isn't about whether or not I understand what they're saying, but but what is the thought behind what they're saying. And then I could ask, well, how does that fit with the Bible and how it says about Jesus being a human and how does that affect your connection with God? And and say, oh, I'm not sure I'm convinced, but it's really interesting, you know, what you're thinking through now. And I'd love to continue hearing how that develops as you think it through. And, uh, and so the kid would bring to me new things and things he was reading from the Bible, things that supported him and things that disagreed with him. And, you know, th and I could listen and be confused and I could, you know, say, I'm really interested to see how that develops, you know, because, you know, I just keep getting stuck on this one verse about, you know, and that's what I love about Jesus is the humanity of him. And, you know, and we get to have these conversations and the kid eventually discarded that theory, um, but was really willing to come talk about all of these things. There are bigger issues that are coming 
that um, you want to stick close to your kid theologically. You want them to know that you seek to understand them and ask questions and reflect and respect their process and to give them the truth and to say, you know, interesting. Well, from my view, this is how I see it. I find it interesting that you're developing your thoughts in that way. You know, that's really interesting. I love hearing that. You know, thanks for, for letting me hear a little bit of what your brain's doing. And I can create windows into the truth for me and I can frame it and I can um, keep pointing them back to relationship with God, encouraging them to ask questions and answer questions together. And so disagreements are just an invitation into relationship rather than a, a moment to blow the whistle. And, uh, oh, that's my kid coming home, so I've got to go. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. love hearing your questions and this question came in uh, to our inbox if you want to get in touch with your questions please do uh, go on the parentingforfaith.org website and you can go to the contact us page you can contact us through that on facebook messenger feel free to post in something through the mail we'll take it wherever we can get it and uh, this question is this I love your approach to teaching children about prayer, but I have a question. Do you recommend encouraging children to memorize prayers? I do quite a lot. Sorry. <laughs> I'm tired. I keep yawning. I do quite a lot of scripture memorization with my five and two-year-olds, age appropriate, but I haven't taught them any set prayers apart from the Lord's Prayer. I guess I've been wanting them to be heartfelt and spontaneous, but I know that set prayers can be a really rich element of communicating with Jesus. So I was wondering what you thought about it. We are in a non-denominational church that does not use set prayers in its meetings. I think it's a really good question. I mean, there are so many churchmanships out there that use many different ways of, of patterns of connecting with God. Um, my suggestion is that um, that the goal is always for our children to be able to communicate with God in their authentic voice. And often I find set prayers or memorized prayers often don't reflect the language of children at the age level that they're at. And so um, in the way that it sounds to them like their own language. And so if I want a child to feel authentically accepted and loved by God, sometimes a child can feel that a set prayer um, isn't the way that they authentically or naturally would talk to God. And so it it becomes slightly disconnected or separate from them. And so my effort is that it always can feel authentic to them. Uh, and for some children, set prayers or memorized prayers are restrictive. But for other children, they really value having um, a jumping in point for chatting to God. Um, uh, and set prayers and memorized prayers for those kind of children can be really helpful to um, have a set prayer of how to talk about the things that are on your heart when you feel like you can't find the words and so you can pull on these <laughs> i've been sick so i'm sleeping a lot you can pull on these um, memorized uh, prayers to to jump off for you to have a sentence that jumps you into a heart position or to praise god before you come in or to start talking about sin in your life and so for some people they find those set prayers really rich in their life and for some children they might find something to grab onto to start off can be helpful as long as they feel um, spontaneous and authentic to jump off that starting point as a heart positioner to then talk more about 
about it, to say your sentence and then say, and that makes me feel this God and I want this, to be able to jump off with that. I think it's great if if your child is that kind of personality where they would really find that helpful in their bag, then go for it. Um, there is no right answer to this. Everyone finds different things rich and it's enabling our children to find what works for them and what keeps them authentic and connected to God. That's the most important thing. My other question in this is what do you use? Do you use set prayers in your personal life? And if you do, that's wonderful and a great thing to create windows into for your children. If you find set, you know, memorized prayers really useful in your connection with God, then talk about it. Let your kids see that, that you can talk authentically and informally with God in the way you do it. But also sometimes you pull on, on these memorized prayers to help your heart find words and to create windows into that, to frame that for your kids, to let them see that and engage with that so they can see the richness and beauty of that. Um, if you don't uh, do that, and you already said that your church don't do you know, set or memorized prayers, um, then my question to you is, what is drawing you towards that type of um, additional tool for your children? And if it's because you're spotting something in your kids and you think, actually, I think this might really help them, then fantastic, go for it. And if you feel like their connection is going well, then you might not need it right now. It's something to have in your back pocket. But uh, you are the parent. You will be able to see what's going on. It is a tool like all things that can help us connect to God in seasons. And it's up to you about what um, helps your kid in this season connect with God most. Hi, I'm here with Darren Quinnell, who's founded something called Man Made Journey. And I was just going to invite Darren to tell us a little bit about that. Hi, Becky. Yeah, great to be with you. Uh, yeah, um, uh, I'm running something called Man Made Journey, uh, which was originally a book uh, 10 years ago um, that I wrote in partnership with Share Jesus International um, and Andy Frost. Uh, and then I've developed it into kind of an online resource uh, 10 years later and basically trying to uh, tackle uh, the issue of boys uh, in the church and maybe even kind of raising the numbers of boys in the church and how churches can get alongside um, boys ministry and uh, kind of yeah get alongside helping them to grow in their faith growing uh, growing their kind of teenagehood and moving into adulthood um, and also just how uh, what Jesus calls them to be as godly men. Yeah, I've got to admit, I've always been fascinated by stories of transition rituals in other cultures, um, not just things like a bar and a bat mitzvah, religious ones, but those stories where they kind of take groups of young people away at a certain age and they undergo either testing times or particular secret rituals or just simpler ones where a community recognises that a child has hit a certain age and they come around and celebrate with that and, and sometimes sort of give them access to the sort of almost like the key to the door when you're 21, that sort of thing. And I, I just see that seems to be something that's so missing, not just from our church culture, but from our culture generally in the UK. Yeah, uh, we're, we're good at celebrating um, in different ways. So we, we celebrate birthdays every year yeah. um, and we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate festivals, uh, but we don't maybe celebrate as much those um, those key kind of 
transitional things that take us into adulthood or get us closer to to adulthood um and this is this is particularly reflected reflected in cultures in the past uh we've kind of lost that uh within mm. our kind of western culture but if you look at any point in history uh this was uh this was seen as a real importance um of that kind of separating particularly in this case it was boys um but uh in some cultures it has been girls as well in different ways but um separating them from the community uh while on that separation doing something that's challenging that pushes them pushes them and uh makes them think um and then bringing them back into that community and that community um kind of recognizing that they've been through this process mm-hmm. um and that their mindset has changed um and i think i think yeah it's it's an important thing to to recognize that um particularly if you grow up in the same church all your yeah. life um you know if if uh you know someone uh, has seen you grow up throughout uh, throughout your church it's very hard for them to kind of think through and think oh you're not a boy anymore and actually you've become yeah. an adult so i think like it's important uh that we we think about these things and um there are many different ways that we can do that uh and particularly within a child's life particularly within boys as well um i don't know how many times parents uh, celebrate their child going to school or their child doing something mm-hmm. that's um that's important to them um and challenging for them uh, that's maybe outside of a curricular um activity but actually achieving something that they um you know that they've done what what do they you know when when do we when do we recognize that um do you know and so there's this there's this kind of there's these elements in our lives where we we do these things and we just kind of do them without actually thinking about it um and i suppose man made is is trying to um put the thought process back into the things that we do within the church and within our lives and within family life um that can actually just help push um our children into a position of like oh yeah i've actually matured now i've 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 taken a step into maturity i've taken a step into thinking for myself um and yeah that, that that's the type of thing that I'm trying to achieve um so what sort of things um on i've seen your website there's loads of free resources mm-hmm. and stuff so there's there's kind of a little program that you suggest might work yeah so uh, originally we started as as kind of looking at values rather than topics um never wanted man-made to be something that was uh, let's teach you about drinking and let's teach you about sex and let's teach you about you know all the different yeah. things that you should avoid and and you know that um can take you down different paths actually it was a it was a foundational thing it was about getting the foundations right uh, so we look at um uh, six values, which are um, purpose, humility, courage, respect, control, and responsibility. Um, <clears throat> on, <clears throat> working on the basis that um, all those different topics within life, whether it's alcohol, whether it's sex, mm-hmm. whether it's drugs or anything like that, can all fit into those things depending yes. on where you are as a youth worker and where your group is as a youth. Uh, as a youth. Um, so you could you could tackle those issues, but you tackle them under the um, under the banner of of these values um so looking at like responsibility of father or responsibility of um 
of your you know the the friends that you have around you or the respect you should have for for girls and for women um and being in control and not uh, not just being in control of your anger but um also you know taking control and actually you know having authority or having um uh, moving into a into a place where you you know you you have to take on some responsibilities within within your life and that and mm. actually taking control of that um so trying to look at all those different things really um under those banners um but then also trying to give the church uh um a kind of rites of passage weekend right. Um, yeah. and a rites of passage moment um, that's not like a defining moment it's like boom here you're a man but actually it's more of a moment of that this is actually you guys have agreed and you want to embrace um, you know your manhood and moving uh, moving in the direction of being a godly man one of the things that I added to the weekends away uh, was the importance of wrestling with God um, we see this in the Bible with Jacob mm-hmm. um, Jacob wrestles with God um, uh, and it's a real defining moment for him. It's 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 a point where he really becomes the man he's supposed to be in God's eyes. Um, and it's a defining moment for him. And I think that one of the things that we we don't tend to do with young people is is to challenge them about their faith and to get them to think about their faith and to wrestle with God with those maybe those doubts or those questions that they have. We shouldn't be frightened of those questions. We should be cha- helping them and challenging them to find answers to those questions because i think those questions give them foundations within their faith um and strengthens their faith and especially when they're challenged about their faith mm-hmm. in the outside world whether that is at school um which is a very challenging place um or whether it's actually in their adulthood um at some point every christian is challenged and i think it's 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 not um a great place to to just be saying to young people that we you know we faith is just faith and that that's all it is it actually has reason it has evidence it has explanation to it um but actually you need to you need to think that through and stuff and so something that we've that i've added to the weekend away is this point where um uh boys can reflect on that on on a particular question or a challenging um a challenging uh question that that society may may always throw at us um something like science versus religion or can i trust the bible or was jesus even real um all these things have facts and you know um Mm -hmm. uh evidence and and reason for those things and so um it's 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 challenging young people to think for themselves and to actually you know do i believe what i believe and if so you know how does this change me because the only way that we can be a a godly man or a godly woman is is actually if we we are confident in our faith um, and we're confident Mm -hmm. in god and who he is and so that's a real important thing that i think a lot of teenagers do need to and and don't seem to uh get encouraged to um to sort out and kind of wrestle with um so yeah adding adding kind of that that kind of um element to it um and a few other things as well that, that we've learned yeah, and that, that wrestling thing um, research tells us that one of the main reasons young people leave the church or even adults you see it with celebrity christians and things is because they come across a really tricky thing like science versus evolution or um you know facts about god or even the big ones of god and suffering and because they they only have a belief not an understanding they kind of fall yeah. away but that's probably for another podcast <laughs> and one of the things my daughter had growing up was uh, one or two adults in church who 
were hugely significant that it was really annoying she'd come home and say so and so says this and, and it's and like it was new news and i'm like i've been saying that for 100 years you know so <clears throat> yeah how can we you know the encourage role models and the importance of role models yeah for I mean, young people <clears throat> role models are really important um so and this this there's 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 a there's an interesting kind of flow to a child a childhood um particularly particularly in boys and obviously like i'm going to speak from a, a a boy's perspective one because i am one and also that that's where man-made focus is on and mm -hmm. stuff uh, but this this can also happen in girls as well but um particularly in i know that this is the case in boys is that when a boy is born um up until about the age of six they'll kind of gravitate towards their mother mm -hmm. that's the kind of natural place but then around the age of six around the age of five they'll start to notice more their father um and they'll start to like gravitate towards their father not that the mother becomes obsolete or anything like that not at all um but they start to gravitate towards their father interestingly at the age of 12 13 which is where a lot of uh rites of passage stuff happens as well um you will find that boys particularly um i think this also happens in girls the boys particularly will start to gravitate towards somebody outside their family yes. um and it this is where the important bit comes um and the ho the hope is is that mothers and fathers have kind of put someone in place or or kind of got a few people in place that are going to be mentors or people that are going that they trust with mm -hmm. their son or daughter particularly sons um that they trust that that their their son is going to gravitate towards if that isn't put in place um and this is this is this isn't coming just from me and my, my knowledge of things and stuff but um famous writers uh write about this steve uh steve bud uh budduff um and uh warren warren farrell kind of recognize this in in their books of uh the boys crisis and raising boys but um if parents don't do that then uh boys particularly will gravitate towards uh peer to peer people yeah uh which isn't a great um mix um uh, it's great that boys have friends and stuff like that but when you start to look at peer to peers being your role models and being mm -hmm. the people that um you're you, that are going to influence you and that you're going to look up to um boys need more they need they 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 need somebody that's actually going to influence them that's going to challenge them yeah. um and you don't particularly get that from the father and and in some cases the mother as well um it's it's really important to put people in place and just allow them to be their mentors and to be their kind of natural mentors um, and well. when you talk about mentors that can be really quite informal can't it it can be yeah me once yeah, a week yeah. for coffee and a chat yeah. or it yeah. is not about a program is it it's about a relationship no no so i've i've got two really good friends uh that uh that were my best best men at my wedding um with 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 godparents to each other's children and um you know we see each other all the time and we've got our kids you know when we when we meet and and socialize we've got our kids all together and stuff but um obviously they're you know they are parents to their ch children mm -hmm. but but as as a group and a collective we will you know instruct their children if we you know we, we're comfortable and we're with each other mm -hmm. on the journey um of parenthood uh where we we will 
discipline their children um, if we see something wrong and the parents aren't around or we will chat to them and encourage them and you know and talk to them about like how school's going and and you know um one one of them the other day was uh was cheating in a game and uh and we we would we were just talking about like actually you know why why do you think that's a good thing do you think that's a good thing do you think that's a bad thing you know what are people going to think of you if you did that outside of us who know you more and stuff and so you have those chats and that that very informal you know don't arrange i don't arrange coffees with them or anything like that Mm -hmm. i um you know it's just when we go around the house and we just observe and see and and i think we need to realize that um it's it's the age-old thing it it takes a community to raise a child um it, it really does and the church and the interesting thing that i've learned from reading outside books about um, about raising boys and, and boys crisis and things like that is the amount of times that they mention these are these are non-church people they're mm. mentioning faith communities and the importance of faith communities particularly yeah. when children get to a teenage age um uh, yeah. that actually because you don't want to hang around with your parents you know it as as much as you, you might love them and do things with them. There comes a point where you're, particularly in, as a teenager, there's a point where you're kind of like, I want my freedom and I want my, you know, to be separate. And as parents, we can sometimes say, yeah, yeah, just go. Like, you know, obviously you don't want to hang out with us and everything like that. But also at the same time, we need to be putting people that are surrounding them and putting people around them to kind of, if they are in trouble, if they do need, you know, to, to yeah. some help then um you know that they can come to them and youth workers are a key factor in this as well and i remember i remember some you know a child this is going back many years ago so red tape and stuff was probably a little bit different to it was now but you know they phoned up and said i i stayed at someone's house last night i'm now stuck in this middle of this town or something like that and i can't get back and i actually told my parents that i was here and they phoned me up because they were like you know help um and that's regardless of what the situation was afterwards that's that's a privilege to be in that place with young people because you know i was the i was a youth worker and they could have gone they could have tried to do something else they could have gone to another peer they could have done something else but they actually went to somebody that was still authoritative but also mm-hmm. someone that they trusted and that wasn't their parents and so mm-hmm. we need to be we need to be finding those kind of those helpful people yeah um, you know and that is it's why god's put it in churches yes that's why the church exists isn't it that we we do this stuff together on the journey and i think you know i think as a parent looking back now there were some people i was quite proactive at encouraging into my daughter's life there are others i weren't and maybe i should have been you know inviting people around or building those relationships and i one of the key things for me was making sure we went to a lot of the stuff the church did even if i didn't really want to yeah. because it wasn't just my relationship that was important it was her relationships that was so important yeah and um totally yeah totally. i think other people speaking to your kids lives is massive it's massive yeah, yeah it's, I, a, it's a holistic thing and it starts it doesn't start when you see the problem it starts before the problem comes yeah. about and that's i think that's the one of the biggest things that we neglect in the church and also as parents and um you know, and, and adults and, and things, we, we forget about these things that are happening all the time that like our children are growing up and, and actually it, 
it, it isn't just like they're growing up and that's it and we just go along with the flow but actually it's about being proactive in these stages and where they're at and how they grow up mm -hmm. and actually placing these things it's not it's not being micromanaging or anything like that it's actually just being um it's being real and being sensible in actually placing different markers in their life yeah. which or, or signposts really to kind of push them in yeah. the right directions um, and as i think sometimes it's just it's to say you know they they may be 13 14 but actually helping them see how god sees them and yeah the person god is growing them into and say it's a you're a teenager you know you, you are still working things out you, you're not finished um yeah. but these are some really good stuff to help you on your way yeah and i, I think also that to add to it as well, just to kind of big up youth workers and children's workers, it's um, it's not putting ownership on them as well. Like mm -hmm. a youth worker can come and go. Like the 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 change rate of a youth worker in a church is quite quite drastic. It's only a few years, and and suddenly you get mm -hmm. a new youth worker in, and they move on and things. So by putting a mentor or putting someone that you trust, that's that's an employed person or, or a person that's that's got that role um is very different to finding actually foundational you know mentors that are that are actually part of your community for a for a long period of time because we're talking almost about, part of your extended family aren't they yeah because we're talking 10 years you know we're talking from 11 probably about 21 you know before into the adulthood life mm -hmm. um and moving on to uni and stuff but like you know we're talking a good good amount of years and I think that's the thing is that we 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 put people into youth work and we think oh they go you know they go to all these groups and stuff and they're, they're at this stage and um it's only a year here and it's a year there but actually that that if we look at it from a 10-year point of view um then that's a big difference and yeah. it can seem daunting but I don't think it is as daunting as people think it's it's only putting in markers every so often throughout the year and different things like that and just making sure that people are, are checking in on them and helping them and supporting them but um but yeah it's a it's a long it's a long game not a short game that's brilliant thank you darren no worries and a question to start an interesting conversation with your children this week is this I was really struck by the set prayers question, and I thought maybe we could explore that with our children. Something like, why do some people really find memorized or set prayers helpful? What are the benefits of it? What would you struggle with about it? Just wonder together. You may come from a tradition that uses memorized and set prayers. And so you can uh, wonder about what that benefit is in your life and others. You may be from a tradition that have never used those before. It's a great way of thinking about how other people connect with God and, uh, and what God uh, considers about all the different ways that we talk to him. So have a good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.